Open your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 3. The beautiful rendition of Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. That's going to be our text this morning. Wisdom is worth the work. Wisdom is worth the work. With our students, we've been walking through the book of Proverbs. We're going through a study in Proverbs chapter 1 through 9. And Proverbs, as you know, covers the issue of wisdom. And if there is one theme in the beginning chapters of Proverbs, it is the singular message to seek wisdom aggressively. Seek wisdom Get wisdom, go after wisdom, seek wisdom in all that you do. It's not easy, it's work. But Solomon's message in Proverbs, as he zooms in on Proverbs chapter three, his message in Proverbs is, look, wisdom is work to receive, but it is worth it. If you seek it aggressively, if in Proverbs chapter two, as he says, if you seek it as you seek after silver, seek it as a hidden treasure, it's difficult, but it's worth it. This morning, what we're gonna talk about is the topic of wisdom through the lens of Proverbs chapter three, verses five and six. You guys know it well, we just sang it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Wisdom is found nowhere in those verses. The word wisdom is not there. But what we need to do this morning is we need to look at these verses within the lens of Solomon instructing his son that he must seek wisdom. Wisdom. This text on trusting the Lord with all of our heart is a text that illustrates what it looks like to seek wisdom. So before, before we jump into this, we need to ask ourselves, if Solomon is talking about wisdom, if this is the topic, if this is, if this is the issue at hand, what is wisdom? And it's a good question because wisdom is a difficult word to pin down in Scripture. It's used in multiple different contexts. One in the Old Testament could have been wise at working with wood. It's a word that that basically means skillful or to have the knowledge of how to do something. If one was wise in woodworking, then they would know what to do to, to construct furniture out of wood. In the same way, if we are to be wise in our Christian walk, to have wisdom is to know what to do to glorify God. Wisdom is the knowledge of what to do in a given situation. Wisdom is knowing the choices to make to glorify God in a specific situation. So as Solomon is instructing his son on wisdom, what he is telling him is how to live a life to God's glory. How to live a life making choices and decisions that give glory to God. How to live in wisdom. And so he acknowledges, it's not easy. It's like searching for a hidden treasure. But as we zoom in on Proverbs chapter 3, what Solomon starts to do is, is he starts to list the blessings that come if we seek wisdom aggressively. 
If we search it as we would search for a hidden treasure, God rewards that action. He gives a, a series of blessings. He says, look, if you, if you remember what I'm telling you, if you apply this to your life, God will give you long life. God will give you prosperity. You will have favor with God. You will have favor with man. He will give you health. He will give you riches. It's an interesting text because initially the, the reaction from that is that, that sounds a whole lot like, like the prosperity gospel. If I live a life that is glorifying to God, he's going to give me riches. He's going to give me long life. He's going to give me health. We need to understand that what Solomon is, is, is telling his son to seek after is this topic of wisdom. And in Proverbs chapter 1 verse 7, he says, wisdom starts with the fear of God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. In Proverbs chapter 9 verse 10, he says it again. The fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. You see, we cannot seek after wisdom selfishly. It cannot be done. You cannot seek wisdom with selfish motives because step one in seeking wisdom is fearing the Lord, denying yourself and fearing him. Wisdom starts with a proper relationship with God. And so in selflessness, we seek wisdom to live a life that is glorifying to God. And if we do that, God gives blessing. These blessings that are listed in Proverbs chapter 3 are not rules that we can count on 100% of the time. If I do this, then I am guaranteed to live well into my 80s, into my 90s. I am guaranteed good health for life. That's not Solomon's goal here. Solomon's goal is not to give us guarantees for life. Solomon's goal is to give us guidelines for life. Solomon's goal is to give us principles that, look, if you live a life that is glorifying to God, God will take care of you. He, he will bless you. This is not the prosperity gospel. This is a message of God caring for those who seek to glorify him. So in the heart of the actions and characteristics that Solomon says will bring the blessing of God is the instruction for us to trust in the Lord. We're going to look at exactly what that means for us this morning. What does it mean to trust in the Lord? And how does that relate to the requirement for us to seek wisdom with aggression? But before we look at, at what it means to trust in the Lord, we're going to, we're going to go through a, a three-point outline showing us what it means to trust in the Lord. But before we do that, we're going to look at the reward that is given if we do that. If we follow what Solomon tells us to do here, to trust the Lord with all our heart, to lean not on our own understanding, to acknowledge him in all our ways, what is the reward that God gives? And we see that in the second half of verse six. Solomon says, if you do the things that we're gonna look at in a few minutes, says he will make your paths straight. That's the blessing 
That is the reward for seeking wisdom, for trusting in God completely. The reward is he will make your paths straight. Now, what, what, what does that mean? What does it mean for our paths to be made straight? I'll tell you what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that our life will be easy. That life will just be this, this straight path with no difficulties. There is no hint of that in Scripture. In fact, a couple verses down, one of the blessings that Solomon says God gives those who seek wisdom is rebuke. It's discipline. The Lord disciplines those who he loves. This is not a promise of an easy life. When Solomon says, he will make your path straight, we need to jump back a little bit into the Hebrew mind and what that terminology meant. When someone straightened a road, what they were doing was they were, they, they were, they were building a road. To straighten a road was to build a path. Imagine walking along a difficult terrain where there are peaks and there are valleys and, and, and it's rocky and it's difficult to navigate. And amidst all of the, of the difficult terrain, there is a straight path. And by straight, it doesn't mean that there's no turns left or right in it. What straight means here is level. It's a level path. In the midst of the peaks, in the midst of the valleys, in the midst of the difficult terrain, there is a path that is level. In the midst of difficult terrain, to see a level path, you would be a fool to not take that path. You see, for someone to straighten a path, to build a path, is to tell someone where to go. That's why many of the, the translations of this verse say, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. For your paths to be made straight is for you to receive direction from God. God gives direction. Who, who doesn't want that? Who, who doesn't want to receive direction from God? How often do we wonder and agonize over what to do in a difficult situation? How we should live to the glory of God amidst difficult decisions and difficult circumstances? God gives direction. Hopefully, hopefully we're in that situation a lot where we are seeking wisdom. We're seeking direction. We're wanting to know, God, what do you have for me? Because it, one of the themes in the book of Proverbs is the message that, that the wise man, the wise man asks what the right thing to do is. The wise man seeks direction. The wise man says, where am I supposed to go? There's so many options. There's so many paths. What is God's will for my life? The wise man asks that question. The fool never asks that question. The fool never says, what decision will glorify God? Do you, do you seek direction from God? He, he gives it. But he requires that we do one thing. And that's what we see in our text this morning. He requires that we trust him. Now, what, what does it mean to trust God? 
When Solomon is calling his son to trust in the Lord with all of his heart, he is not calling him to a a, a trust of salvation. He's not saying, go be saved. Trust in the Lord, give your life to him. This This is a result of salvation in Solomon's son's life. See, we have to remember, again, wisdom is the result of a proper relationship with God. Wisdom comes after the fear of the Lord. Wisdom is the result of a proper relationship with God. Trust in the Lord is a manifestation of wisdom in our life. To trust in the Lord is to act in a wise manner. And so Solomon is not instructing his son towards salvation as much as he is instructing his son in wise living. I would argue that you cannot live with biblical wisdom if you do not trust God. If you do not rely on him, depend on him, place your confidence in him. We are called to place our trust in God and Solomon is going to instruct us on how to do that. So this morning what we're going to look at is three instructions for trusting God biblically. Three instructions for trusting God biblically as a manifestation of wisdom in our life. Three instructions for trusting God biblically. Number one, trust God completely. Trust God completely. We see this in the first half of verse five when Solomon says, trust in the Lord, how much? With all your heart. We are called to trust God completely. The heart, as Solomon uses it, is the essence of who we are. With with all of you, all, all of you, all of your heart, with all of you, trust God. With no reservations, trust God. We're called to place our trust in God with all of our being. So, so why are we supposed to trust God to the utmost degree? The answer is simple, because he alone is trustworthy. He is the only one who is truly trustworthy, the only one that can truly be depended on. Everything, literally everything else in your life will let you down. We know this, money will let us down. Friends will let us down. Possessions will let us down. Your children will let you down. Your spouse will let you down. Your home. Everything. The only thing, the only one that that will not let you down and therefore the only one that can truly be relied upon, that trust can truly be placed in is God. He alone is trustworthy. Aaron mentioned that in many of our small groups, we've, we've started to go through a new book by Jerry Bridges called Trusting God. I've been reading through this book and the implications of trusting God for our life are massive. But, 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 but in the beginning of the book, he talks about the basis for our trust of God. And right from the get-go, what we need to understand is that you, you cannot separate a trust of God from a proper understanding of his sovereignty. The two require one another. 
God is the only one that we can place our trust in because God is the only one who's, who's in control. That's why we can trust him. There's, there's a quote in this book that, that I want to share with you guys because it's, it's, it's a mind-altering understanding. It says this, God in his love always wills what is best for us. God in his wisdom always knows what is best for us. And God in his sovereignty has the power to bring it about. You think about those three truths. God in his love wants what's best for you and me. In his wisdom, he knows what is best for you and me. And in his sovereignty, he will bring it about. With those, if those are true, there is no other reaction than to trust God completely with all of our being, to lay everything on him. What we trust defines what we do. The things that we place our trust in define how you and I act. And, and when we place our trust in something that most people don't place their trust in, amazing things happen one way or another. When you place your trust in something that Normal people don't place their trust in amazing things. Let, 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 me, let me illustrate this for you. Think of, think of the Wright brothers. In 1903, they were constructing the first airplane. And they were working through the science and the aerodynamics of how an airplane works. And they trusted their understanding of what they were building. They had a trust in something that no one else trusted. No one else was, was flying airplanes. The Wright brothers had a trust in the science and in the, the item that they had constructed. Because they did that, because they trusted something that no one else trusted, the world as we know changed. Transportation, as we know, changed because they placed trust in something that most people didn't place their trust in. Uh, on the flip side, and on a much less dramatic scale, I remember as a child standing at the side of a partially frozen river with my friends, and we were trying to decide if, if the ice on the river was thick enough to stand on. And all of the friends I was with had come to the conclusion that spring had, had kind of come around, the ice was melting, it wasn't strong enough to stand on. I, however, had come to a different conclusion. In spite of, of four or five other people that had said the ice cannot be stood on, I trusted the ice. And so I started to walk out. You feel the ice crack a little bit beneath your feet. You think that the ice is strong enough. I trust the ice. And by the time, by the time I got to the middle, it was just a shallow, eight feet across. It was probably four feet deep. By the time I got to the middle of the river, the ice cracked and I fell through waist deep and ice cold water. And, and, and I looked like a fool because I trusted something that should not have been trusted. What you trust defines what you do. If you don't trust the ice, you don't walk out on the ice. If you trust the ice, you walk out on the ice. What you trust defines what you do. And here's the conclusion that has to be drawn. The life that trusts God looks completely different than the life that doesn't trust God. What we trust defines everything about us. If we trust God, if we truly trust God, then we will respond when he convicts us. If we truly trust God, then we will share the gospel. If we trust God, we will 
we'll run from our sin. To give in to the pleasures of sin is ultimately a failure to trust God and what he says. If we trust God, we will take steps of faith that others are not willing to take. If we trust God, we will make decisions that others may say would go against conventional wisdom. We, we may make decisions that the world would say are unwise, but to trust God means that we are not driven by the wisdom of this world. We are driven by the wisdom that we receive from God, that we are seeking aggressively. If we trust him, it defines everything about who we are. This impacts This impacts everything. It impacts our finances. It impacts our relationship. It impacts what we say. It impacts how we say it. This impacts life-altering decisions. How we spend our time. How we give. How we serve. Do you trust God? Completely. 100% with with all of your heart. That's what we're called to do. But not only are we called to trust God with all of our heart, but we're also called, number two this morning, to not lean on our own understanding, to distrust yourself categorically. We are called to trust God completely and to distrust ourselves categorically. Look at this in the text. It's in the second half of verse five. Trust the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. What does it mean to lean on something? To lean, we have to look at the contrasts that are present in Solomon. We learn a lot from what he says. And in this first, in verse five, He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do this and don't do what follows. It's going to be, as Solomon communicates, two opposite nuances of the same basic truth. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. To lean something is fundamentally to to trust. It's a different way. Remember, this is poetic language. It's a different way of saying basically the same thing. To rely on something, to depend on something. If you lean on something, then you are depending, you are trusting it to hold you up. We are not to lean on our own understanding. Now, don't miss the contrast here. Trust God. Don't trust yourself. Trust God completely. Completely distrust yourself. Do do you see see it in verse 5? Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. Your understanding is pitted against the wisdom of God. Our natural minds are opposed to the things of God. The two actions of trusting God and trusting your understanding are at odds with one another. So what is, we have to ask, what is my understanding? What is it that I cannot trust about myself? Because I need to know that. If I'm not going to trust myself, I need to know what it is that I cannot trust. When Solomon refers to our own understanding, he's referring to understanding that is common to man. In our natural state, human knowledge, human understanding, human wisdom. 
1 Corinthians is going to tell us that, that human wisdom does not comprehend the wisdom of God. That, that the wisdom of God looks like foolishness to man. The two areas of wisdom don't line up. They miss each other. In fact, they're pitted against each other. This is, this is a proper understanding of the heart and the mind of you and I. This is Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who, who can understand it? We have to have a Jeremiah 17:9 picture of our heart and our mind, realizing it is wicked. Our heart is, is broken. Go read, go read Romans 3. There are none who seek God. All have turned away. No one does good. There is no fear of God before their eyes. The conclusion to draw from Romans chapter 3, if there is no natural fear of God in our eyes, then there is no wisdom in our hearts. The fear of the Lord, the fear of God, is the beginning of wisdom. Our hearts and our minds are not there by their nature. We are broken. We sang that this morning. We, we are the broken. You are the healer. It's only in God's wisdom that we can be made unbroken. Our knowledge and our understanding, left to its own devices, leads us to sin. There's an implication here that has to be drawn. When we look at this contrast in, the, in verse 5, we have to draw this implication. And here it is. Your understanding will draw you away from trusting God. Your natural understanding tells you not to trust God. It's essential that we know that about ourselves. And that is why the call is to distrust yourself. To be, to be even suspicious of yourself. Now, th this does not mean just a distrust of all logic or all thought. Okay, in other words, when you're driving home today and you, you pull up to a red light and your logic, your thought tells you, okay, there's a red light, I need to stop at the red light. You don't go to this verse and say, I cannot trust my logic and you blow through the red light. He's not saying a distrust of all logic or all understanding. What he's communicating to his son is you need to be examining your motives. You need to be examining your heart. You need to be looking to yourself because you know that at its core, at its root, your heart is wicked. And so you don't trust it. You're suspicious of it. I grew up in a home with, with five children. It was always common for one of us to be doing something that, that we shouldn't have been doing. It was pretty much a regular occurrence in, in, in our home. And, and, and we all know what it feels like for, for, for a parent to walk into a room and instantly not trust one of their children. You know how, you, you know what this looks like when, when you come up to a child and you see enough to know that they're doing something wrong, but you haven't seen enough to know what exactly they're doing? We received that a lot in our home, and my parents had a way of going about this. I remember my dad doing this all the time, where he would just, he would just stand there, and he would, he would watch me, and, and just, just look, arms crossed, our hands on the hips, and just watch, because he knew I was up to something, and if he watched for a few seconds, he'd figure out what. 
suspicion. Convinced. We need to have more of that attitude. This, this, I know, I know you're up to something. I don't know what yet, but I know that at your core, you're doing something. We need to have that mentality of ourselves. I know that my heart is going to lead me astray. I know that my mind, my understanding, that it wants in its natural state to pull me away from the things of God. So I don't, I don't trust my understanding. I don't trust my knowledge. I don't trust my wisdom. I seek the wisdom of God in all things. I trust him completely because I have to distrust myself. We must remember that our hearts are so deceitful. Love the hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. Robert Robinson penned in the third verse what is such a vivid picture. I hate this in myself, but I resonate so well with what he said when when he said, prone to wander. Lord, I, I feel it. I'm prone to leave the God that I love. That's that's our tendency. That is our natural state. We must distrust ourselves. So we are called to trust God completely. We are called to distrust ourselves categorically. But thirdly, this morning... We are called to seek God constantly. To seek God constantly. Find this again in the first half of verse 6 as we continue to move through this text. In all your ways acknowledge him. To acknowledge God in all of our ways. What that means is to To bring all situations to him. To process everything through the wisdom of God. Fundamentally, I think acknowledging acknowledging God in all of our ways means to seek his wisdom in all circumstances. To seek the wisdom of God in everything is to acknowledge him in all of our ways. Now, we need to see this as... This is a very natural conclusion to the first truths that we've looked at this morning. If if you really trust God, if you really trust God completely, and if you really distrust yourself, if that is absolutely true about you, then it, it is a foregone conclusion that we would acknowledge God in all of our ways. If we recognize that we're not trustworthy, he alone is trustworthy, then the natural conclusion is to acknowledge him in everything, to bring everything before him, to seek his wisdom in everything. There's nowhere else to go. It's it's, it's like Peter in John chapter 6 when people are leaving Jesus' side and Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, are you going to leave? And Peter responds, where else are we going to go? You're the only one that has the words of eternal life. There's nowhere else for us to go. Our mindset towards towards Christ is to be exactly the same. You're the only one we trust. Where else could we possibly go? I don't trust myself. I trust you completely. The natural foregone conclusion is to 
Acknowledge him in all of our ways. So how do, how do we do that? How do we, as you look up at the screen, how do we acknowledge God in all of our ways? We're going to look, we're going to look at three points on, on Couple principles from Proverbs on how we can acknowledge God in all our ways. This is by no means an exhaustive list. There are more principles in Scripture that direct us on how to do this. These are three very fundamental, applicable principles for how to acknowledge God in all of our ways. Number one, you see it there on the screen ask God for wisdom. Ask God for the wisdom that He alone gives. Turn over to James chapter 1. Many have called James the Proverbs of the New Testament, and the theme reigns true in what we're about to look at. In James chapter 1, verses 5 and 6, directs us exactly, exactly how to acknowledge God in all our ways, how to seek wisdom in, in that capacity. James chapter 1, verse 5. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. What James, what James says here is, look, if, you, if you're lacking wisdom, which by the way, we are. If you don't know what to do, which, by the way, we don't. Ask God. He's going to give it. God is giving. He he wants us to have wisdom. And the theme is true in Proverbs as well, all throughout those first nine chapters. If you seek it, God's going to give it to you. Ask God for wisdom. As As we've gone through this study my prayer life personally has changed significantly just in the fact that daily I have, I have been convicted to ask for wisdom because the more I look at Proverbs, the more I realize how foolish I am in my natural state. The more I realize that if God is the only source of true wisdom, then we have no other option than to seek it from him daily, to ask him for it. And James says, if you ask, He'll give it if you ask in faith. When we go to Proverbs, we could rephrase that as if you fear God. First, we are called in acknowledging God in all of our ways to ask for wisdom. Number two, read God's will in Scripture. Read God's will in scripture. Understand that God's will for our lives is primarily revealed in his word. I mean, the the word of your Bible, the word of God, this is God's revelation of himself to you. In 2 Timothy chapter 3 We know this well, verse 16, 17, all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Why? Why? So that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Why is scripture profitable? 
because it equips you for every good work. Can I rephrase that for you? It equips you to live in wisdom. So we have these simple decisions every single day and we have these life-altering decisions. The word of God equips us for both. Want to know the will of God for your life? Do you want to understand the wisdom of God? It's, it's, it's here. It's in his word. Ask for wisdom. Read God's will in scripture. And then third, seek wise counsel. This is a theme throughout Proverbs, throughout scripture really. That, that you are not on an island. You were not meant to handle Life on your own, right? This is why we have care groups. This is, this is so many different aspects of this in our life where you are called to seek wisdom from other believers. This is the church. This is, this is seeking wisdom from those that you trust within the body of Christ, seeking wisdom from older, wiser people. God has given us a source of wisdom in other believers in our lives, You, you are all a source of wisdom for each other from God. Seek wise counsel. Pray, ask for wisdom. Read God's will in scripture and seek wise counsel from others. Those are three, again, not exhaustive, three simple ways that we can acknowledge God in all of our ways, that we can seek wisdom from him. It's essential that we remember that we are to be doing this always. We can go back to the beginning. Acknowledge God in all of your ways. Trust God with all of your heart. This is, this is ongoing. This is constant. See, we tend to come to this list, things like this. How do I know the will of God? How do, I, how do I live and make glorifying decisions for him? We tend to come to these when we have life-changing decisions before us. We tend to come to these when, when I'm asking, okay, do I, do I pack up my family and move to a new job in a different state? Should I do that? Difficult decision. And so we come to lists like these. We say, okay, how do I know what God's will for us? Students are asking, where do I go to college? They're asking, who should I marry? These life-altering, life-changing decisions where we aggressively seek wisdom. But the call is not to come to this when you are in a difficult situation. The call is to trust God with all of your heart and to acknowledge him in every way. Everything. You acknowledging God in all of your ways. In the beginning of this chapter, Solomon says to his son, look, take these things, bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablets of your heart. Never let this leave your sight. Trust God with all of your heart. And if you do that, if you trust God completely, distrust yourself categorically, seek God constantly. If you do that, he will give direction. He will give guidance. He will straighten your path. Now, if you're anything like me, you tend to look at that promise at the end of verse, at the end of verse six and you say, 
really? Like, does he really always give direction if we do these things? Because I feel like I've done those at times, and at the end of the day, I'm still wondering, where, where are the flashing lights in the sky? Where is the writing on the wall? Where is the obvious sign from God that this is what you're supposed to do? What we see in Scripture is God's worked that way a few times. But we don't, we don't see that regularly in our life the way that we may desire to see it. See, I want the divine airplane to come through the sky and to write out this. This is where you should go to college. This is who you should marry. This is when you should have a child. This is how you should parent. This is how you should deal with this difficult scenario. And God doesn't do that the way that we may want him to do that. Rather, God reveals himself through his word. But, but it's, all, it's more than that. We talked in the beginning about how the wise man, the wise man is the one who says, what is the wise thing to do? The fool never asks that question. You are receiving wisdom from God just in the fact that you're asking for it. If I can rephrase the, a theme in Proverbs, it's the, it's the look, the one who's asking, God, what is the decision that's glorifying to you is in a far better position than the one who never asked that question. If you're looking for the decision that is glorifying to God, if you're acknowledging him in all of your ways, you are in that action receiving wisdom from God. He gives it freely. He will straighten our paths. He will give direction. But we, we have to understand that God wants what is best for us. He knows what is best for us. It's not always what we may think is best for us. And so we ask, do you really really trust him. No reservations. You trust God completely in all of your ways, with all of your heart to the exclusion of your own understanding. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, your word is clear in that it calls us to seek you in everything. Lord, again, our, our natural state does not do this. Lord, I pray that you would change us. Give us a desire, a passion to seek your glory in every decision. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.